this time on the podcast, it's her story and the large, incredibly absurd artistic project I've been working on, just flinging myself at it every week in the makerspace. Are you a disgruntled current or former tech worker ready for some gallows humor? Do you feel like you hang in there by a thread every week? Are you trying to break into tech but feeling discouraged? Maybe don't listen to this. But there could be some lessons. There could be. Just don't do what I did. What's that? Let's go on with the show. Welcome to my world. Welcome to the Make It A Pair podcast. I'm your host, Marlena Compton. Okay, yes, I am happy in Vermont, but that doesn't mean I don't have regrets and thoughts about my tech career. Now that I've spent a couple of years post-move from San Francisco to Burlington, Vermont, to process that it's over and I'm not going back, I have thoughts. I have thoughts about my career trajectory, the millions I almost made, and why I didn't make them. I mean, let's be real. Who doesn't get into tech or move to San Francisco thinking about that, making that crazy internet money so you can eat your dinner off an iPad, park a barge next to the Embarcadero, shower the city with scooters on every corner, or just effing by Twitter? Who who doesn't want to do that? It wasn't a goal of mine, but who knows what would happen if someone backed a dump truck of cash up to me. Although I didn't manage to make the crazy internet billions, I was there. Oh boy, was I there. I bathed in the fountain of innovation to the point that people wanted to work with me so that they could realize their new ideas and make a million dollars with them, maybe a billion. I did this for 10 years until the plague happened and I moved to Vermont. After a couple of years of processing and watching the pandemic unfold and fade into being a past event, I noticed that what landed in my lap is that my career stretched over a historical period in tech, the big social wave. As social media grew, I used it to amplify my own voice and grow my tech career. I traveled to conferences, made industry friends, and got at least three jobs from Twitter alone. I experienced San Francisco as it moved from the beginnings of the social media wave into its full fantastic frenzy. I was also there as social media tipped over and began its fall into the abyss. It all ended with a literal plague. All of the large tech employers shut down their offices in the space of a week, telling their employees to work from home. And, well, it was over. The downtown was empty. Even after the worst of the pandemic, it was obvious that something in the city had broken like a fever. I wasn't surprised when shortly after all of the major tech companies started laying people off. 
My heart goes out to anyone that was part of these layoffs. I really am sorry because it's a lot to deal with and it's hard to come back from. No one knows more than me how it feels to give your absolute all to the tech industry and come out of it with nothing. This brings us to where I am today. Having exited tech, my head is full of the stories and the lessons I learned. How do I share this? Initially, at the beginning, in the olden days, I did this by writing a blog, which, oh my God, blogs. (laughs) Nobody wants to read a blog anymore. I get it. So what happened to blogs? Well, I'm, I'm sure you're all listening and laughing at this too, but I'm convinced that the blog still exists. It's just that it's now a podcast. This is one of the large shifts that happened in the past 10 years. Voice. So much has changed in the past decade. The demise of printed media, the bust of large chain bookstores, iPhone, iPad, everything, not just the phone, but all of these devices we now use every day, such as e-readers, fitness trackers, and even watches. Even how we pay for things, and I can't mention paying for things without mentioning the biggest scam of the decade, crypto. Add all of this up, and the way we move through our lives every day has undergone some large changes. My plan is to tackle each of these subjects along with my experiences with them in California as a tech worker in the midst of this swirl. In addition to writing and podcasting about this crazy decade, I'm also making some visual art pieces to go along with it, and my plan is to eventually have an art show. Folks who have been following my Instagram have already seen me working on this. As a creative, I have a need to express myself artistically through multiple channels. Self-expression is how creative people process their lives, and it's an important part of my existence and well-being. Writing and visual art is self-care for me, but it's been hard to pick a medium. Artists who know what their medium is are so lucky. When I say medium, I mean people who know they are a painter or someone who knows that they're a singer-songwriter, and that's what they do. That's their outlet. That is someone who has picked a medium. They know their lane, and this means that when they go to practice or to create, they automatically know what they are using for their expression. They know the materials, their instrument. I am not so lucky. When we got to the section in world history class where we covered the Renaissance and someone who called themselves a Renaissance person, I was excited because it was a rare moment in high school when I felt like I identified with that. I'm a writer, I'm also a visual artist, and I can also play guitar and sing. But I don't know how much of a benefit this is because when it comes to self-expression, it is often the case that choice is not your friend. To start with, skill with a medium takes time. It takes practice and often lessons or classes, and that is a monetary investment. It's also a privilege. But what happens if you pick three or four skills? In my case, I couldn't pick one. 
So I've spent years on getting better at writing. I've also spent hours on the guitar and on my visual art. I've taken so many lessons and classes in each of these, and I've gotten to a point in my life where I've been able to draw some conclusions. I'm not a musician, but I do love singing, mostly in the car or karaoke. Driving and singing is a very happy place for me, and that's the extent of my music making. <laughs> like, I'm fine. I don't need to make an album or even write a song. It's just <laughs> not me. Writing versus visual art has been much more difficult, and I think it's because I really do both of these. That's why I'm continuing with this podcast. Writing is the easy one. It is effortless for me to spill words out on a page. My need to process my life through writing is how I know that my primary medium is words. Over time, I've gotten better at editing them down and publishing them in some kind of format. Visual art has been harder to understand and to place. I don't know if this is because of who I am or because of how my life unfolded. There was a time when I was taking drawing and painting classes. I took them in college, and I also took them after I graduated. But at that point, I really got in my own way. It's something I can talk about now, and I can have compassion for the confused 20-something that I was. That girl was really doing her best. She just, she didn't have a lot of support. I was in my third or fourth class with a drawing teacher, and I was actually getting somewhere. But then I started to measure myself against someone else in the class. There was this one guy who showed up in the class. So the drawing class, as I said, third or fourth in a series with the same teacher. And I had progressed with mostly the same set of people in the class. But then this dude showed up. He was an amazing, talented artist, and it pissed me off. At the end of each class, the teacher gave us a homework. And this guy would consistently show up with a homework drawing that was ridiculously good. He was another broke, young adult like me. And he talked about not having a lot of space to work in and getting chalk all over his room. Honestly, I think what incensed me the most was his willingness to totally trash his own room just to make a practice drawing for a continuing ed class. At the time, I was really struggling to fit my art practice into my room in an apartment I shared with a compulsively clean roommate. The pastels and chalk that is often used in drawing classes is crumbly, messy, and it just gets everywhere. Acrylic paint is also somewhat messy and it's permanent once it dries. I say this having had to literally scrape acrylic paint off of a college dorm room. Yes, yes I did. Yes, I painted my dorm room and I paid for it. <laughs> <clears throat> but it did come off. It was messy, though. And oil paints take a long time to dry. And at the time that I was in this class, oil paints were mostly made of toxic formulas that stank to high heaven. My family 
is friends with one particularly successful artist who was kind enough to mentor me a little bit. She invited me over to her place to see the tiny studio she kept in a part of her bedroom. It reeked. It smelled so bad. This is she was using oil paints. And this the smell was just horrible. A part of me died inside because I knew I didn't want to spend my time using paint that smelled like that. How would I ever be a visual artist if I hated using oil? I wouldn't even let myself try it because I was so afraid of the mess and I already hated the smell. Between that and the dude in my art class, I totally gave up on visual art. I shouldn't have. And I really feel for that girl. I feel for her confusion about her career and her life. And then there's the piece that if you grow up as a girl, you're constantly told not to make a mess. It's true. Even if you don't want to, like I know that I have ended up internalizing that lesson. This is the proof. I shouldn't have taken such a deep part of myself and put it in a box that I shoved way back in my own personal closet of suffering and pain. But I didn't know any better. And I had voices all around telling me I needed to be more successful, make more money, have a better career. So that's what I did. I stopped drawing and I started taking programming classes so that I would make more money. If this sounds bleak, that's because it was. And I really had to fight to have any kind of success in the programming classes. It was a real struggle, and there were plenty of days when I didn't know if I would make it. I'll talk more about that in a later episode, but for now, I'll just say that the struggle paid off, and I did make my way into a lucrative tech job. But the artist, the creative, was still in there, banging on that closet door. An artist isn't something created in a school. It's how you're born, the need, the desire to express yourself. It's a nature thing. If you're born with this, and you know it, I implore you to work with it rather than trying to hide it away and deny its existence as I did. Even if you do, it's never too late to let your inner artist out. And that's what you're going to see as I progress through this particular season of the podcast. So I've been using this metaphor about keeping my inner artist locked away, but lucky for me, she's also quite the escape artist and broke out a number of times. In the next episode, I'll introduce you to the super weird, super niche, and I mean that super niche area I occupy as a visual artist and letterer. It is absurd, but then so is the last decade in tech. See you next time. Bye for now.